three, two, one. This is the Mix Zone by Infront Lab. We chat with sports and innovation leaders from around the globe, talking about everything from the newest technologies to major trends affecting our industry. For those who are joining us for the first time, we're Infront Lab, the innovation branch of Infront Sports and Media. We use technology to improve experiences and create new opportunities in sports, and help sports and entertainment organizations by bringing them closer to cutting-edge technologies and startups. We cover all sports-related industries, from data to content and everything in between. I'm Marav Sevier, head of marketing at the lab and host of this podcast. We've seen athletes make enormous changes over these past two decades. And I'm not just talking about on the pitch, court, or whatever the playing field may be. Yes, athletes have made huge strides in their physical progression and abilities, pushing the boundaries of what we thought humans are capable of. But now they're also pushing the boundaries elsewhere and positioning themselves as powerhouses in business and tech. We can no longer just talk about the business of sport. There's now also the business of athletes. And one former college athlete has made it his business to talk about this side of the business. And that's Andrew Petcash, former Division I basketball player at Boston University, and now the author of the Petcash Post. Andrew, welcome to the Mix Zone. Marav, thanks for having me on. Oh, it's our pleasure. So, Andrew, before we get into this business of athletes, business of sport, business in technology world, tell us about yourself. You're a former athlete who has made this switch over the past couple of years. For sure. Yeah, I mean, basketball growing up was my whole life and uh, basically kind of weird just a year ago to having only touched a ball one time since. But anyway, when I was in college, I studied finance and real estate. So it really started to, to look into the business side of things uh, beyond, you know, everything was just athletics and sports before then and kind of found this unique little intersection where I started seeing athletes do bigger deals. And then I started talking with some of my teammates and just realizing like people don't really know what's going on and it's hard to teach certain concepts or how people understand it but when you use an athlete as kind of like the middle person or the example things just catch on much easier when you explain you know why owning equity can be better than just taking money from a company and then with name image and likeness nil coming around it kind of came full circle as all our teammates were trying to figure it out and uh, it's pretty cool. One of my teammates now, he got he's got signed by the Lakers. And now the conversations are just, you know, he has a little bit more money and he's just like, hey, what should I do now? So it's kind of cool. <laughs> oh, he's to coming to you for advice. Yeah, it's kind of cool to become full circle now uh, with everything. But but yeah. So before we get into this equity versus endorsements in this entire world, what was this transi- transition like for you? Because obviously you said basketball was your whole, whole world. The, we're talking about practice every day, two a days, and you haven't touched a ball in the past year and you've completely switched. What is that switch like, that transition? Yeah, honestly, I feel it's very similar uh, where before, so instead of touching a basketball, I now train for for I'm doing a triathlon. That's what I've been training for for several months. So like the physical component, like those couple hours every day are just filled with a different void. And then uh, instead of going to school, now I'm just working on my business, you know, doing podcasts, talking to people, research, writing, um, making. You're finding new passions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Uh, Finding uh, just different lanes. But like, you know, I love 
playing basketball, school was okay. So actually now it's kind of almost become more net positive for me because like I don't have the things I didn't like. So I didn't have the class I didn't want to take or homework. The tests. Or yeah. <laughs> so now it's just like I get to do basically all of what I want every day. Um, and, you know, sometimes all day, you know, sometimes like all of us, we do a little bit too much sometimes and need to step back every now and then I try to try to remind myself, but it's hard. Oh, we all know that feeling. Uh, obviously, Andrew, you talk about athletes as investors. Are you yourself an investor as well? Yeah. So I always, I'm a big, especially in media and everything. I just think there's a lot of hypocrisy on, on a lot of fronts. And one thing I always pride myself on is I'm not going to say stuff or do things that I feel I don't do myself. Or if I don't, I'm at least going to explain before, Hey, I don't do this, but I see other people doing it. Um, so yeah, personally, I've invested in three sports, young sports companies so far with a plan to invest in hopefully hundreds, you know, over the course of my career. And uh, yeah, so, so yes, I, I have personally. And then also kind of funny is name, image, and likeness takes college by, by storm. Athletes can make money now, all this stuff. I missed it by a year. And now I have the platform and I have all this stuff where it's like, <laughs> wow, I would have been doing really cool college deals. But then I step back and go, wait, a lot of the deals I do now with companies like sponsorship type stuff, is I it's identical it's identical to what they're doing so I'm like well I'm living name image and likeness and I'm getting to invest in companies so anything I talk about like I do myself um, and I've been on both sides of the table I have signed athletes to NIL deals as well which has been cool and so it's not that bad on the other side doing it after college <laughs> no it's, it's not that bad it's I mean it might be you know now it's to like pay for rent and do stuff like that maybe it would have been a little nicer in college to be like oh wow we're gonna have a good night tonight teammate you know we're gonna go <laughs> but uh but yeah no it's good well i want to talk about this transition that athletes have made because if we talked about athletes just several decades ago so many of them had retired and then a couple years later they're back in the headlines but not for good reasons a lot of times it's bankruptcy or they've got nothing left in the bank this is a huge transition that we're seeing for athletes going from that to what we're seeing nowadays to athletes being valued at billions of dollars. Some of that athletes are the richest people in the world. What was How do you see that transition and what fueled it? Yeah, I think social media is the, the very first steps of it. As we started seeing about a decade ago, we'll just call it roughly 2012. Interestingly, an ESPN article came out talking about athletes being broke after playing and it was absorbently high numbers they haven't released any data since i would assume that it's come down a little bit but it was all like 60 to 70 percent of athletes at least in the nba and nfl mind-boggling yeah mind-boggling like really high percentage numbers and like i said we need a new study uh i don't know maybe i'll have some some play in that that's that your homework cool. now that you're yeah, out of college that's, that's your new homework cool. Yeah. And it's hard, right? Because you're not just going to ask, oh, are you broke now? So I, I'm actually, that study is very interesting, just on a side note. But uh, social media has given rise to a ton of influence where athletes had it before. But now, you know, you're LeBron James and you have millions of followers on each platform, billions total. I mean, you basically have the world at your hands from one thing you can say. So companies obviously will pay crazy amounts of money i think lebron it varies every day but last time i checked it was like lebron could make basically four hundred thousand dollars to five hundred thousand dollars for just one post on social media like that's how much influence he has so now it, that just creates a downstream effect basically 
uh, in all aspects where teams now have to pay athletes more because athletes will be like, you're not going to pay me. Someone else will, whether mm-hmm. it's a company, a team, whatever. LeBron could just start his own league and it could be worth a lot. So it's uh, I think that the next wave and we can get into this, what's going to get interesting is like the, the ownership model of athletes now just really pushing for their own things and not getting tied in where LeBron, the Nike deal he has is unbelievable, right? It's billion dollars mm-hmm. over his lifetime. But to take a step back, he's tied into that and he's tied into everything Nike wants to do and their narratives. So I think we're going to start to see a shift where maybe a big time athlete hops on board on a co-founded company of a new shoe brand or something. We'll, we'll see the shift is playing out now. You're talking about social media being, you know, the push that led to this. But obviously, it all, there also needs to be a switch on the mental side for athletes of saying, all right, now we have this opportunity. We have to hop on it. What do you think led to that? Because there has there are two sides to this. Yes. And I think a lot of it starts. And I talk a lot about basketball for a few reasons. Number one, I played basketball, love basketball. So it's very relatable. And number two, they do make the most money in terms of salary like by far compared to any other sport, like basketball is the highest, which makes sense. Less players, worldwide game, very easy access, right? It doesn't cost a ton of money to play. Uh, but and anyway, big name players, big name players. Yes. Like global, glo- like globally known. Um, but it started with Andre Iguodala and the rise of technology as well. So Andre Iguodala played one for of the, the first State to hop Warriors. on the bandwagon. Yeah. And he kind of like just started the wave of like, hey, it's it's cool to go and buy big houses and, you know, fancy cars, all this stuff. But, you know, it's also cool investing in a company that changes the world and not just doing that, but also making 50 times your money. So, you know, as an athlete started to switch where it's like, okay, I can buy this million dollar car, but it's going to in two years, whatever, or I can put a million dollars in this company and it can be worth $50 million. So now I can buy 50 cars and it looks like I changed the world because I invested in a company like Coinbase or Whoop or whatever. Some of them, these are some of the big return ones that they've had, which I would argue those two companies are changing the world. How much do you think the fact that he played for the Golden State Warriors had an effect on it? Because obviously Silicon Valley was his backyard. He was right there to watch all these companies in their beginning stages and learn from it because I think a lot of the roadblocks that many athletes have is that they don't necessarily learn about these companies. They don't have that closeness. And I'm talking proximity here that he can leave the practice facility and hop onto a startup within a couple of minutes. Yeah, I think that has 99% to do with it. Uh, maybe not. Not Yeah, okay. So 99% with Silicon Valley. I was going to say there is a person. Uh, he does have a business partner that's played a very influential role, uh, Rudy Klein. Mm-hmm. Um, but they met in Silicon Valley. So yeah, at the end of the day, it, it was, still has that effect. <laughs> yeah, it still has that effect. Even it was just a person. Um, but if you look at the Warriors even today, and then the people that have come through there, Kevin Durant now is probably the most famous athlete investor, mm-hmm. played for the Warriors, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, JaVel McGee, Draymond Green, their whole team. They're, they, I forget, there's like a phrase, but it basically says something about like the Silicon Valley Warriors or something like where they're all basketball players, but huge investment guys. But what really, and I wrote an article about this maybe two months ago or three, like during the NBA finals, is the Golden State Warriors, number one, they're owned by two former tech people and they run the, the team 
and the organization because they they say they're not even just a team they say the team is just one piece of their business they run it like a startup so mm-hmm. their whole organization is run like a startup so it helps them understand and then obviously court side when you have 20 tech executives sitting and then they want to be the nba players and the nba players want to be them <laughs> it just kind of naturally mixes just like yeah it just matches and now you talk and it goes hey we're building this really cool company the richest people in the world are investing in it we would love for you to be the face of it and you're going to make a ton of money and the ch- the risk is actually quite low because like the influence is going to push all this ahead um, and that's what I think is interesting, seeing some of these athletes start their own companies now. They'll start out $50 million, you know, seed round, $70 million Series A before there's even a product on the market. So, because there's the face that's trusted and known to go yeah. along with it. And we're seeing that. I'll just give two examples. Uh, and you could say maybe he's not an athlete, but I would argue he very much so is now as Jake Paul with Better. They $50 million before anything's built. Um, and all these have co-founders right so the athletes just kind of like the face and a little bit of money up front and then the second one being mojo which still hasn't released started or co-founded by mark lore who's an owner of professional sports teams and then uh alex rodriguez former professional baseball player 70 million dollars series a so i mean and these were announced a year before anything even came out about the company so it just kind of shows like the immense value in athletes to begin with what trends are you seeing in the market right now when it comes to athletes as business people and specifically athletes within the tech sphere? The the major trend right now, well, over the last couple of years, the trend was NFTs, Web3, certain things like that. But we started to pull back a little bit from that and we're starting to see more social stuff. And we're seeing a lot of, which makes sense, what athletes are comfortable with, which is mm-hmm. nutrition. Um, so anything to do with sports drinks have always been a big one, sports bars, anything like that, recovery products. And then the next phase, which has been really massive over the last couple of years, is data analytics and anything to do with optimizing peak performance. So we're seeing a ton of that uh, recently. And then I, I track, I'm sure I've missed a few, but I every week I put out a little thing of like all the athlete investments this past week. And been seeing a ton of a ton of one on the the data analytics side recently and a bunch of sport team investments as well a lot of team or players are becoming partial minority owners of professional sports teams well then what are some of the interesting investments that you've seen if you're tracking them uh, maybe over the last week over the last couple weeks yeah one that caught my eye actually yesterday is we'll just stay because it's really fresh in my mind is Michael Vick is starting his own company. So Michael Vick, former professional quarterback in the NFL. And uh, he's basically like you're seeing these guys just take the journey from athlete. So I call it there's there's kind of like this cycle that, that we see an athlete goes from and these we're talking about the ones like that end up doing really well and, and mm-hmm. fit exactly the criteria we're talking about. But they normally go from just playing their sport, that's all they do, to then sport plus endorsements. So they take some money from other companies, they start to learn. And then the endorsements then turn to investments. So now they start actually investing in companies. And then the final phase we start to see is like the entrepreneurial phase. So LeBron is like the perfect example where he's just playing basketball. And he did, LeBron is honestly, it's phenomenal what he's done. Like, I don't think people even give him enough credit. It's a true example for what not only athletes should strive for, but people, if they really want to achieve the top. 
yeah, it's incredible. But, you know, he signs early endorsement deals in his career. And then he starts making investments and, in, you know, Blaze Pizza, which one, which did really well. And, and PS or uh, Liverpool um, professional mm-hmm. soccer team. And these have all multiple X in value. And then now he's launching all his own stuff where uh, uninterrupted Spring Hill Entertainment. These are like his media companies. So I think that's another talk about trends and interesting investments are companies investing in their own media type platforms to say, hey, we have all this influence. Why don't we just build our own like distribution? And we don't have to go through anyone else. And then all the instead of I'm just going to use an example, instead of DraftKings paying me $10 million a year to invest their to uh, promote their product. Let me just start my own media company so I own full equity and then DraftKings will still pay me $10 million a year to put their advertisements in our media. And then I'll also go and get another sponsor. So now we're at 20 million. So they're actually making more money from endorsements just in a new type of vehicle, which is their own, where they also have upside because it was reported LeBron. I mean, think he's really just doing the same thing. You're still paying him for the endorsement, but it's just through his media company. And now the media company can get sold. So it's like it's it's actually so genius. Um, that's what I'm saying. LeBron and his team are, and obviously he has the best of the best. But it's just it's remarkable just to kind of study the moves they're putting forth. And I'm amazed some athletes don't even have a website yet. So you know they're still both ends of the spectrum. Exactly using the word study, and I was talking about athletes who don't even have websites yet because there are thousands of athletes around the world. I mean, we're talking obviously here about the big name ones, but there are thousands of them. What do you think the education process needs to be like for athletes who may not be the LeBron James, the Kevin Durant, the Rory McIlroy to to go to another branch of sport that have all the money and all the ability, but they're thinking of the future and they want to somehow they say, okay, maybe I don't have the face to endorse, but I do have some money. Maybe I should invest. What are some advice or on the flip side, what are mistakes that you've seen that athletes shouldn't make? Yeah, I think so one thing, and I try to talk about this a little bit and it goes over some people's head, but like athletes themselves are like a business like no matter how big they are like they themselves are a business in any successful business like you can't do it by yourself so it's all about like your team and people and the thing is like lebron has a lot of money to go and get find co-founders and the best lawyers and not just like anything that he may need to do anything whatever project he wants to do yeah but you can do that on a smaller end and there's a ton of like really good consultants out there there's a ton of like just really good now business people that want to get involved with athletes now obviously this comes with the sharks vultures you know whatever you want to call them and people trying to take advantage of it so you have to be smart but i think the best first steps are like when athletes start to actively try to like put themselves out there on social media so you're like okay i'm learning something so it is a little bit entrepreneurial because now you can take that to an endorsement uh brand or any brand and say hey i want an endorsement and then build a website out and put hey here's what all i'm doing and you just take little steps And like, that's how I've even done it myself, because I view myself as going in a similar journey just without the without the, uh, you know, without being in the NBA, uh, which which was close, but not not quite. (laughs) Um, And uh, and then just progressing and then, you know, talking, I've literally gone on the same journey. Hey, grow on social media, then build a website, then expand, now do more things and talk to more people and then get a lawyer which i've done and then you go and get you know hire 
other people to help you with content, editing, and then all of a sudden you have your whole business team around you because you yourself are the business. And then you can do whatever you want. Make angel investments, get 5% in the stock market, whatever, whatever you want. You'll have unlimited options. But I would say the start is social media website. That's entrepreneurial start path for, for any athlete, really just anyone. You know, the world is more connected than ever before. And yet it still seems that there are huge differences in how you know, American athletes may approach things versus European athletes and athletes elsewhere. What are the differences that you're seeing in how athletes conduct themselves as businesses between these two sides of the world? European athletes are very, very up to speed in angel investing and just like business ventures, because I think they don't have all the endorsement money just being thrown at them where sometimes as a professional athlete and let's just say NBA or NFL, you're, you're basically taken care of from day one. You're getting a really good, and we're talking more here, the top five, 10% of athletes, but it's just easier to use. And then you can scale it down is when you get it, you make say $10 million a year from your rookie contract. And then you're getting $10 million a year in endorsements. You're like, okay, I'm cool. I don't really need to do too much else but when you're in europe and let's just say you're still on the high end of the spectrum and you're playing for whoever real madrid whatever and we're talking basketball here but uh you make a million dollars a year even you have to be much smarter and get and you have to actually really manage your money so we see a lot of european athletes really getting in like groups and there's a lot of angel investing groups and uh they're they're really finding ways to make their money go farther and they're pushing like they're, they're getting more so behind companies instead of companies getting behind athletes, if that makes sense. That's what I see athletes in Europe doing, like get behind a company and help them grow. Where in America, it's like the company gets behind an athlete. Because uh, the the faces baby, or I mean, obviously, if you take a look at the United States as a market, it's also a bigger market for everything that has to do with sports. The sports culture itself is so different. And there are hundreds of thousands of athletes if you, you know, look all the way down to the lower grades. Uh, So that change and that shift makes sense of how you look at it from each perspective where they come to you, you have to come to them. Yeah. And I know something we talked about in a previous conversation was like Robert Lewandowski in Poland. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's, and I'm sure your audience loves uh, football, soccer, whatever you guys want to call it. Oh, they'll probably call it football. And every time you said soccer, they're probably putting a coin in the jar. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But he, he is a classic example of an athlete really succeeding and doing it well. It's something in a study came out. He basically runs through like 80% of the marketing um, in the country of Poland. So like if you're a Polish company and you want to have like massive brand awareness and success early on, you almost like kind of have to go through them. And his wife has a massive influence in that as well, where she has like seven of her own companies. So they've created like almost this monopoly on marketing media in specifically Poland. And uh, I don't know how far it extends into Europe, but definitely Poland. And so he's a really good European example of an athlete that's just, he's the equivalent of LeBron James in America, I would say. All right, and let's talk about the female equivalent of both, if not better, and that yeah. is the queen herself, Serena Williams, who just uh, about a week ago, maybe a little bit more, announced that she will be retiring after the U.S. Open. And just for the record, we are recording this on August 24th, so hopefully by the time that this airs next week, she is still playing. Mm-hmm. 
Andrew, you just a couple days before she made this announcement posted on your Twitter an extensive infographic about her investments because it is quite unbelievable to take a look at what she's done over the past decade and what she says she will continue to do after her retirement. Yeah, she's and we should have touched on her a little bit earlier even, but yeah, she's incredible. We could have done an entire episode about her. (laughs) Correct. Yeah, we could do two hour long episode about everything she's doing and why and how it's worked. But yeah, I mean, it's the team around her as well. And and she leads it, but she has like in Serena Ventures, which has made over like 50 investments now. She is a co-founder and uh, I can't remember the woman's name, but she's very bright as well. And she knows what she's doing and she's just getting behind Serena and helping each other out. And uh, and then obviously it helps being married to the former co-founder, founder of Reddit, Alex Ohanian. So she has the whole tech space and access to all these deals. But then she obviously has the massive influence and reach herself, which is like the most potent combination ever. Because like when you have influence and reach from a marketing perspective, but then you also have access uh, to all these deals, like you, you're going to get the best of the best and you can really push a company forward because now Serena can go, hey, here's the 20 best deals, hottest deals coming through over the next year. Which one has the most chance for success? What do we want to get behind? And then when she gets behind it, it's only a natural progression for all the like we'll just call them lower tier athletes lower tier influencers celebrities to kind of follow on board and then all of a sudden you know you have because these athletes now have equity in these companies you get a much reduced marketing fee budget and you can nearly touch the whole world and make people aware of your product service whatever it is and then uh, she's made a good influence on naomi osaka another female Mm -hmm. tennis player that's think she's like my age she's like 23 24 and she's already like building her empire now she's someone that's going to be one of the highest paid female athletes of yes today if i'm not mistaken yeah i think she was number one in 2021 or something or i don't know if 22's come out yet but uh and i don't worry too much about all that stuff i'm more focused on like what they're actually investing in doing but yeah like to your point she does make the most and she's doing it such a young age we see lebron serena they're at the end of their careers well she's doing it and she's really just getting started so as long as like this stuff doesn't wear her out because i think lebron serena they know this is going to be their next thing so maybe that's why they start it naima is doing it at the beginning so it's like she could build an absolutely behemoth of a of an entity um, behind her. And she even has her own agency. Like she's like, I don't even want an agent. I'll just have my own. They're just athletes are going to build their own of everything. Own agency, own media company, own investment platform, all of that. Well, not to age anyone, but you know, I would say Serena Williams, LeBron James are I'm still, if I'm not mistaken, millennials. And then you look, take a look at Naomi Osaka, who's coming up in Gen Z and it's a different world. So how many more up and coming athletes are you going to see be like Naomi Osaka and build something like this at such a young age that, you know, you can talk about how much they're going to make as athletes, but their investments can be even higher from day one. Yeah. I think, I think it's going to be all top tier athletes because you think LeBron, Serena, like they didn't really have anyone guiding them. Like they were kind of the front. They were the beginning, the pioneers of really pioneers of this investment side, not just endorsement. Yeah. So Naomi, for example, she looks at Serena and says, "Well, I want what she has, but I want it even earlier. I want that empire earlier." Well, now the next young female tennis superstar 
just going to follow the same model as Naomi for the most part because it's going to be like, hey, it works. She doesn't have to worry so much about just endorsements or just prize money, which I think is a whole topic for another day. But I think that model is going to slowly shift to we're seeing it in golf with Liv and the PGA Mm -hmm. where it's like, why is Rory just worth, you know, two million dollars for winning, winning a tournament? Why isn't he worth a hundred million dollars over a two year contract? And if he wins, cool. You, you know what I'm saying? Like you, you get a small bonuses bonus. like you would get for winning the World Series or yeah. the NBA championship or the Champions League final. Yeah. And like even and I know this is the come up with social media. And there's a lot of factors. But when Tiger Woods entered the PGA Tour, I mean, they were super small. Like it's basically 100x since he's been in there. And like I said, there's a lot of factors, social media, more media coverage, more money in it. But it's uh, yeah, I think we're also going to see the first. So no athlete has ever – there's athletes, right, that have made over a billion dollars, but a lot of it comes from endorsements and their own things, right? I think we're mm-hmm. going to see the first athlete over the next 50 years, and I know this is a long time span, but make over a billion dollars in just salary. I, I truly believe that. I think we will see that. We're get, already starting to inch up there with Patrick Mahomes, $500 million in the NFL, Juan Soto, baseball, like $450 million, NBA – massive curry like i mean it's like 50 60 million dollars a year I, I think we will get to that point uh with some of these young guys because you're gonna have to pay them so much right out of the gate yeah they're gonna be and expecting girls. it and girls i should say and I girls Hope, hopefully we're seeing the rise of yeah. that over the last couple of years u.s women's soccer also ufo women's uh euros this past summer here in europe really putting women's football on the map but from your perspective, if we're looking ahead, what are some of the things that you're excited to see athletes do in terms of investments, trends that you're expecting them to get on? Obviously, you've touched on NFTs, Web3. It's going to be mm-hmm. huge, the metaverse, in the coming years to the point where I'm not sure we know where we're headed and where we'll be in the next five years. Yeah, I'm excited to see them create a lot of their own distribution channels and systems. I think we're going to get a lot of really unique, cool things out of it. For example, why Live Golf even has a chance to succeed is because the PGA owns all the media rights to all the players. So the players go, why would I be mic'd up? Like, Mm -hmm. I don't want, like, the PGA takes all the money. They own all the clips. So now you get, you know, we start to see a change in that where they own the media distribution and the leagues have to tailor towards it. We're going to see some really cool things where athletes are like, they want to be mic'd up. They want to all talk. You get all the inside access. We're seeing Draymond Green in the NBA even doing that where he's after games hopping on a podcast to talk about the game. So it's like, why would I listen to some, and I'm obviously generalizing here, but why would I listen to some old guy that never played a lick of basketball in his life when I could just listen to the post game with five NBA players talking about what they saw in the game, like actually like in it. And so I think we're also seeing like athlete led companies, media, So it's going to become like that's just the power is shifting to the athletes where we're seeing them like control everything along the lane where you're even seeing like J.J. Redick in the NBA where he retires Tony Romo, Tom Brady, like Mm -hmm. they're becoming like the announcers and the media people because that's who people want to hear from because they actually know the game and it's not just some random person that just likes sports. So I think that's going to it's going to be interesting, right? Because there are some very qualified people. That's that's all they do. But I think athletes have proven, at least over the last couple of years, like they're still very good in many other areas. Yeah, and if we're talking about J.J. Redick, if I'm not mistaken, he was the pioneer athlete who 
started a podcast while still playing mm-hmm. and started that whole movement. So it'll be really interesting to see where that goes, especially when we talk about changing fan preferences and what the younger generations want to listen to and view and seeing everything from the point of view of the athlete and how that changes basically the entire industry. Yes. Yeah. The uh, people want to see the athlete's perspective and that's why I've kind of taken the stance and niche on business of athletes or some people say like, the business of sports through the athlete's perspective is like, that's what I'm trying to provide. And now did I play professionally, not in the NBA? Did I have opportunities in Europe? Yes. But like I played it still a really high level and I talked to all these guys on a daily basis. And like, once you get to that level, like people, you know, you're able to like actually really relate um, because like we've all lived the same thing. And that's why it's really cool. Like just to see guys that I, you know, they're in the NBA now, but like, we can actually have like more in-depth real conversations because we know each other and they know I got their best interest or before like I'm creating a video series right now on Kyrie Irving and it's like no one's really had his back like they just want to say all the the outlandish stuff about him yeah and okay but like there's a whole nother lane of like his real story and how he got to where he is why he thinks the way he does and what he's doing, like he's one of the most incredible, charitable, not only NBA players, not only athletes, but just people in the world. Um, so it's like telling those stories is, I think, another forefront. And I'm trying to trying to take a leap on that as well. Well, we'll keep an eye out uh, for that video series. And Andrew, pleasure having you on with us today to talk about business of athletes, because as you said, it's just starting. It is. It, it really is. It's crazy. It feels like for me, it's all day, every day been going on forever. But like anything, things take time and people are just starting to see it and athletes are just starting to take advantage of it. So I think by like 2030, if you're an athlete and you haven't invested in a company, people are going to be like, are you even an athlete? Well, hopefully they get this message. Andrew, thank you and enjoy the rest of your day. Marab, thanks for having me on. Three, two, one. That wraps up this episode of The Mix Zone by Infront Lab. I'm Marav Severe. You can find me and the lab on LinkedIn. Don't hesitate to reach out and chat with our team about sports tech solutions or last night's game. Enjoyed the episode? Let us know your thoughts on the podcast. And don't forget to rate us. We'll see you next time.